Hello and welcome everyone to another episode of the Employment Law Podcast brought to you by the lawyers here at EI Legal. For those of you who are joining us for the very first time, the Employment Law Podcast is a weekly podcast aimed at HR professionals, in-house counsel and really anybody who has an interest in the wonderful world of employment law. My name is Antonia Randalls and I'm a lawyer here at EI Legal and I'm joined today by my colleague Simon Obi and Ahana is back with us today as well. Welcome Simon, welcome Ahana. Hi everyone. Hi. If you didn't join us last week, we discussed the new rules relating to businesses in Victoria that can remain open amidst the new stage four restrictions and the mandatory requirements regarding worker permits and COVID safe plans. We had a very special guest on helping us uh, explore those topics a little bit further. That was Alana Giddy, who is the head of HR at our friends employment innovations so that was um, a really great a really great episode and we also had simon talk through uh the new eligibility rules for the JobKeeper 2.0 so after that episode we actually put a bunch of resources up on our website and so if you do want to go back and have a look through those uh, resources we put things up like uh we talked about the permitted worker scheme creating a COVID safe plan and the business support that's available for businesses in Victoria. So if you want to have a look through those, just Google the EI Legal podcast. The first result will take you to that page and you can go through those at your own leisure. So this week's topic, we have decided to mix it up a little bit. So we've actually decided to combine a employment law concept and a current topic. So this was inspired by the decision of the High Court yesterday in relation to paid and personal or paid personal carers leave, which uh, Ahana and Simon are going to discuss shortly. But as well as that case, what we thought we would do is explore the concept of leave a little bit more generally by providing you with some fun and quirky facts about leave, which you may or may not be aware of. So it's just all too much fun today. So before we get into that stuff, um, Ahana, what I might get you to do as the first port of call is actually talk and explain to us a little bit about the case itself um, and this concept of a notional day versus working day and ultimately what was decided by the High Court yesterday. Thanks, Antonia. I'll certainly do my best. It's a bit complicated, the concept, but um, let's talk about the facts first. Um, that's the interesting part. So. Mondelez operated a Cadbury chocolate factory where employees, um, they worked a 36-hour week. Um, so not 38, which is normally what full-time employees work, but a 36-hour week. Um, some employees worked these 36 hours um, five days in a week. So they worked 7.2 hours per day for five days in a week. However, there were other employees um, who worked three 12-hour shifts, and these were the shift workers. So they're referred to as the shift workers in the case. Two of these shift workers, uh, Ms. Triffitt and Mr. McCormack, um, they each worked an average of three 12-hour shifts per week. And when they took paid personal or carer's leave, for one 12-hour shift, what Mondelez did is that um, they deducted 12 hours from their accrued personal leave balance. So over the course of one year of service, um, these shift workers, they accrued 
paid personal leave sufficient to cover only eight 12-hour shifts because each time they took personal leave, 12 hours would be deducted from their leave balance. So the Australian Manufacturing Workers Union, on behalf of these two shift workers, um, they brought a claim and they argued that Section 96, Subsection 1 of the Fair Work Act, um, which outlines the entitlements in respect to personal leave, um, what they argued was that that section entitled the shift workers to be paid personal and carers leave sufficient to cover 10 absences from work per year. So they argued that section 96 referred to the portion of a 24 hour period that would otherwise be allotted to work. So they referred to this, this is referred to as um, the working day construction in, in the case. So in other words, um, they argued that these shift workers, they were entitled to be absent from work for 10 calendar days per year without any loss of pay. So essentially they, would get 120 hours of pay personal leave because they were absent from work 10 days a year for 12 hours on those 10 days. And the full court of the federal court, they actually agreed with the union's argument. Um, and this was about last year. And this decision caused quite a lot of confusion and concern as the traditional approach, which a lot of employers um, apply, is that personal leave accrues on a pro rata basis based on an employee's ordinary hours of work. So for example, um, what this decision, initial decision of the full court of the federal court, what this could mean is that if part-time employees only you know, worked one day per week, they would still get 10 full days of personal leave in a year, which is essentially like 10 weeks off. So that was the initial um, decision of the full court of the federal court. But Earlier this week, um, that decision was obviously appealed. Um, and what we've been saying to, I guess, clients is that over the course of the last year, the law as it stood is that all employee, all permanent employees received 10 full days. But because we knew it was being appealed in the high court, um, a lot of sort of employers sort of continued on with the traditional approach. And I guess that's good because earlier this week, the high court they allowed an appeal of the decision of the full court of the federal court and they overturned that decision. And in construing section 96 of the Fair Work Act, the majority of the high court, they rejected the working day construction that 10 days entitles every employee, regardless of the pattern of work or the distribution of hours to be absent without loss of pay for 10 working days per year. And they said that this, decision would give rise to absurd results and inequitable outcomes, which is contrary to the legislative purposes of fairness and flexibility in the Fair Work Act. So instead, the Fair Work, um, sorry, the High Court held that a day is not a working day. That is, it's not calculated by reference to how many hours an employee works on that day. But what is meant by a day in Section 96 is a notional day which must be calculated by reference to an employee's ordinary hours of work in a week. So in other words, 10 days is two standard five-day working weeks. And because the patterns of work for employees, they don't necessarily always allow for a two-week cycle, the High Court um, explained that the entitlement to 
10 days of paid personal and carers leave can be calculated as 1 26th of an employee's ordinary hours of work in a year. And I know I used a lot of numbers there and it might sound a bit confusing, so I'll use an example. Um, so say for example, for full-time employees, their ordinary hours of work are 38 hours per week. So based on a five day working week, um, that's 7.6 hours per day. Therefore, full-time employees are entitled to 10 days of paid personal leave a year or 76 hours, which is 7.6 hours multiplied by 10 days. A part-time employee, on the other hand, who say, for example, works only half the amount of ordinary hours, so they work 19 um, ordinary hours a week, they would be entitled to half the amount of um, personal leave. So they accrue personal leave on a pro rata basis um, and they would essentially get five days of personal leave in a year. So the High Court has essentially, I guess, can although they've overturned the decision of the full court of the federal court, it almost confirms the traditional approach that most employers have been following. Thank you, Ohana. I hope everybody had their pens and their calculators at hand. <laughs> you, you did very well at summarising that, though. I think it really highlights how complex um, what these seemingly um, like simple um, concepts can be and in reality and Simon is there is there anything else you wanted to to add to that or no I don't think so I think um, Ahana did an excellent job of explaining a very you know a very com complex and, and complicated um, judgment um, but yeah as, as she said in, in essence we go back to the um, situation um, that, that everyone understood before the, the first case, which is um, full-time employees get 10 days and, and part-time employees, it's, it's a pro rata amount and a day means 7.6 hours. Great. All right. So I guess on the back of that discussion, what we thought we would do is, I guess, further highlight some um, quirky uh, aspects of the concept of leave and paid leave. Um, we'll just, I guess, see how many we can get through. But Simon's compiled a bit of a list here of different things that um, we've had to take note of and that we've noted that sometimes employers or employees aren't aware of. Um, so Simon, take us, take it away. Okay. Well, uh, yeah, let's see how many we can get through. I think we'll, we'll aim to finish up the podcast at by a 20, the 20 minute mark. So let's just see how far we get. But I would say the number one um, uh, leave scenario, which um, businesses uh, struggle with or don't realize uh, or um, uh, get wrong is, is the entitlement of casual employees to long service leave. It's, it's often said casual employees aren't entitled to paid leave and that is is true of you know annual leave personal carers leave etc but the exception to the rule is long service leave and casual employees um, it is it's very clear in the legislation are entitled to paid long service leave and the different um, legislation um, in the different states uh, uh, have sort of different rules about how you calculate long service leave for a casual who's been doing various um, varying um, amounts of hours per, per week, but um, that is definitely um, an entitlement that casual employees 
uh, enjoy. So that that would be my number one, um, my number one sort of uh, quirky um, top tip about uh, leave. The the second one, um, following on from that, is um, uh, that long service leave. The, the entitlement to long service leave um, is in New South Wales at least, and I think in some of the other um, jurisdictions too, it includes um, a calculation of the average amount that um, an employee received in um, commission of bonuses. And this is something which is um, often forgot, um, particularly when an employee is um, their employment is being terminated, say, and they're being paid out their accrued long service leave. A provision has to be made for um, the bonuses and commissions that they have received over the previous um, years. And, you know, in some roles that that can be a significant amount if a lot of their remuneration is, is made up of, of a bonus or commission component. So that is just another thing to remember, which... Um, sort of flies under the um, radar sometimes when dealing with long service leave. So I think those, those have been my two top ones on, on long service leave. Um, I think um, unless anyone's got anything more on uh, long service leave, perhaps we'll move to annual leave. And I know, uh, Antonia, we were talking earlier about a couple of things you think uh, catches out unwary employers. Yeah, thanks, Simon. I mean, and you alluded to it uh, just before, but with respects to long service leave, it is a little bit different as well because it is governed by state-based legislation. Um, and so that is something that we have to be aware of because there isn't sort of a uniform um, piece of legislation that actually stipulates how long service leave is accrued and taken and, um, and paid out. So it, that's something that um, I think long service leave is, makes quite, long service leave quite unique. Um, so I, as you said, I'm, there's two things about annual leave that I was going to bring up and the concept of annual leave I think is one that we're all really quite familiar with and I will admit that these these things that I'm about to mention um, I really had no idea about when I entered the employment law space I think when I came in I started to understand how complex um, these provisions can be but the first thing I wanted to mention is annual leave loading so annual leave loading, I think, is something that's often overlooked uh, by employers. It is an amount that's payable to some employees during a period of annual leave in addition to their annual leave pay. So annual leave loading is usually payable under a modern award or an enterprise agreement or sometimes under contracts of employment if employers are feeling generous. Um, and it is usually 17.5% of an employee's base rate of pay. And it, that is a requirement under most modern awards. The, the um, percentage can change, um, but the, annual, the payment of annual leave loading is, is usually a requirement under modern awards and enterprise agreements. Um, and if it is a requirement and it's not being paid, the employer will be breaching the award or, or the enterprise agreement um, and underpaying their employees. So it's very important to understand your obligations with respects to annual leave loading. 
The second point, and um, I guess it links a little with our first topic, is that of uh, shift workers and their entitlement to annual leave. So, um, pursuant to the National Employment Standards, which are contained in the Act, shift workers are entitled to five weeks of paid annual leave for each year of service, as opposed to the usual four weeks um, for day workers. So specifically, Section 87 of the Act, which deals with employees' entitlement to leave, says that an employee is entitled to five weeks of annual leave uh, in three circumstances. So firstly, um, if a modern award applies to the employee and the award itself describes the employee as a shift worker for the purposes of the NES. Secondly, if an enterprise agreement applies to an employee and describes the employee as a shift worker, again, for the purposes of the NES. And finally, for award or agreement free employees, the employee must be in a class of employees prescribed by the regulations as a shift worker or be employed in an enterprise which shifts are continuously rostered 24 hours a day for seven days a week and that that employee is regularly rostered to work those shifts and regularly rostered on Sundays and public holidays. And I guess in exchange for that, the, uh, the Act and awards allow for an extra week of, of annual leave. So they were my two fun facts about annual leave. Uh, Simon, do you have anything to add on that? And do you have any more annual leave fun facts? Yeah, um, I, I guess the, the only observations I'd make on, on those things is with annual leave loading, it, it is possible um, for employers to pay a salary which absorbs um, uh, the annual leave loading um, requirement. So rather than paying an additional 17.5% every time an employee takes annual leave to, to build it into the salary, um, either through a kind of contract, contractual offset clause or a um, through uh, an annualised salary provision in the award. So um, that, that is one way to deal with it. Um, and yeah, shift workers, it, it, it is, I suppose, it, it, the, the, the definition in the Fair Work Act, as you say, is, is, is it's only going to capture businesses that operate 24-7 and have a kind of roster pattern where um, employees work, work those shifts. And, and shift workers in modern awards, you, you, you have to look to the, the actual definition in, in the award. So it, it is, but, but most modern awards have a similar definition. So it, it does capture um, only a kind of small subset of, of employers, but um, it, is, it is very kind of easy to kind of miss those requirements. Um, my, my other things I was going to say on annual leave um, that catches employers out are um, the first thing is um, for award free employees, so employees not covered by um, an, uh, an award, uh, there's an ability under the Fair Work Act for employers to direct employees to take annual leave where that requirement is reasonable, but there's no general ability for um, employees to be required to take unpaid leave um, for a you know a Christmas close down or something like that if the employee hasn't got sufficient um, 
annual leave accrued, there's no ability for award free employees to be um, forced to take unpaid leave um, in that sort of scenario. Award and award covered employees, the, the rules about um, requiring them to take annual leave is, is what's set out in the actual um, modern award. Um, but I think that that point is often missed. Obviously, there's a kind of separate range of rights regarding standing down employees when there's no um, um, work for them to do due to a kind of stoppage of, of work or, or, or separate provisions under the um, JobKeeper amendments to the Fair Work Act. But, but as a general concept, there's no, no ability to require award-free employees to take unpaid leave. Um, I, I noticed we're nearly at the 20 minute mark and we've got only a, um, a, sh a short way into our, our list of um, uh, leave facts. Um, so um, I, I feel disappointed to, to leave it there, but I, should, we, should we do a couple more? What, what are we saying? I should um, go on to sick leave now, Simon. You have a couple of sick leave. All right, yeah, let's do, let's yeah, yeah, let's do, do sick leave. Let's do a couple on sick leave. Um, so personal and carers leave. Um, I'll, I'll do some quick fire ones, okay? Personal and carers leave, it comes from the same pot. So you, employees get an entitlement to sick leave for themselves and entitlement to um, take time off to care for a member of their immediate family or household, but it comes from the same pot of leave, 10 days per year. Number two, you can't be on sick leave on a public holiday. If it's a public holiday during a period of sickness, that doesn't come out of your sick leave balance. Similarly, on a similar kind of note, if you're on annual leave and you happen to be sick during um, a period of annual leave, then uh, the, uh, the leave doesn't come out of your annual leave, it comes out of your sick leave instead, even if you're you know, sick while you're sunning yourself on the beach. Um, carer's leave is for uh, a member of your immediate family or household. So even if um, an employee needs to take carer's leave to care for um, a cousin or, a, or an uncle or an aunt or, or, or even a friend, which wouldn't come within the definition of immediate family set out in the Act. If they are a member of their household, if they live together as a whole household, they are entitled to take um, personal carers leave to care for them. Um, how's that? Um, to that was great. Thanks, Simon. I enjoyed yeah. that one. Can I finish off with a fun fact on all leave? Yes. Let's do it quickly. So um, something that maybe some people may be unaware of is you continue, employees continue to accrue leave, so annual leave, personal leave, long service leave, while they're taking a period of leave. So while you're off on annual leave, say even for four weeks, you continue to accrue leave during that period. Um, you also continue to accrue leave during um, a period of notice, but you don't accrue leave when you're off, off work on unpaid leave. But the exception to that rule is if, for example, you've been stood down under the Fair Work Act and you're obviously, you know, you're stood down without pay, you still do continue to accrue leave during that period. That was my quick fun fact. Wow, guys, that was thrilling. <laughs> Thank you for that. Um, so as 
Simon mentioned, it's it's probably uh, all we have time for today. I hope you enjoyed uh, our exploration of leave. And if, as we always do, it, it's always good to mention that the information in today's podcast is general in nature and it's not intended to be legal advice. However, if you do require legal advice, if there was something that we mentioned today that you would like some clarification on and you need some advice tailored to your individual circumstances, please reach out to us at info at eilegal.com.au or if you'd like to say hello or if you've got your own leave fun fact, please email us. We would love to hear from you. Um, but I think that's everything that we have time for today. So thank you both and we will see you all next week for another episode of the Employment Law Podcast. Thanks, Thanks everyone. everyone.